Welcome to The Founder's Mind, a podcast powered by the Kadar Group. This is your host, Adam Mutchler. We couldn't be prouder to have this season sponsored by Upside Business Travel. While they are a free travel management tool for scaling companies, they are also putting people's health and safety above their revenue by encouraging people to not travel and stay home during the coronavirus crisis. Hashtag stay home. Find out more about Upside Business Travel at www.upside.com backslash TFM. And now a bit about our guest and this episode. We are joined by Yemi, one of the co-founders of Civic Eagle, a company building better digital tools for policymakers. Yemi shares her experience as a co-founder, building a remote first team over the last four years, fundraising, and what a real startup hustle looks like. I'll give you a hint. She worked a full-time job for years while building Civic Eagle before leaving her job and going full-time in the business and raising capital. Take a listen. Welcome to The Founder's Mind. This is your host, Adam Mutchler, and we have Yemi on the show. Thank you so much for being here, Yemi. Hey, Adam. How are you? I am good. I'm super psyched to have you. Uh, I was thinking about when we first started engaging, and I think it was like about a year ago, January, Mm -hmm. maybe 2019. Yep, yep. And I did like this, I did a bunch of outreach on LinkedIn to Backstage Capital's portfolio companies, and you were one of them. And you responded because you're in the D.C. area. And I can't believe it's just been a year. Yeah, yeah. I I had just moved to the city, to D.C., so um, I was equally excited to meet new people in the startup space. Nice. Well, I could tell your story, but I won't do it justice. So I would love to hear, and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear, you know, what are you up to? What's Civic Eagle? Uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my name is Yemi Adewomi. I'm a co-founder of Civic Eagle, and I also serve as our chief product officer. Um, and Civic Eagle, what we do is we build uh, software. Uh, we're a B2B SaaS company. We build software for organizations that have government affairs teams and public policy uh, departments. And our software helps these teams with legislative tracking and public policy management. Um, so it's, it's been an exciting journey. We started our company in 2015, um, and our mission has always been around increasing uh, access to information and transparency in government. Um, and you know, we started actually the company back in 2015 with a different product. Uh, the product was a mobile app for B2C, uh, for everyday consumers to help them with tracking policy, with understanding who represents them in government, and then also a, a place for them to share their opinions about uh, policy issues and policy topics. And when we started the company back in 2015, um, I was actually working in a different industry. Uh, My industry, uh, my previous career was in politics. I studied political science. Um, I received my master's in public administration. Uh, And I started my career working for the New York State Legislature as a policy analyst. And at that time is when um, the ideas for Civic Eagle started percolating. Nice. You preempted my next question, which is how do you get into something that specific and it sounds like through academia and work. Yeah, yeah. And a bit of like serendipity, I guess you could say. Um, uh, me and my business partners always talk about um, how blessed we are to have gotten to the point we are today. Um, but a lot of it we could not have predicted. So, sure. for example, uh, my business partner, um, our CEO, Demola, um, he and I met back in 2009. Okay. Um, this is when we were both in, in, in undergrad. Um, 
I went to the University of Pittsburgh and he was at the University of Minnesota. Those are not close. Not close to each other. <laughs> and we, we met actually even further apart than those, than those cities. We met in London. Okay. Um, we both studied abroad in the same program. Um, in 2009, we were just, you know, two college students, with, you know, studying abroad with, you know, maybe a group of 50 people. Yeah. Um, we were two of the only, like, Nigerians and, you know, um, black Greek uh, folks on the trip. And so, um, you know, we hung out a lot, you know, our friends um, during that summer, you know, we bonded a lot and we just kept in touch from then, um, from then on using social media. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. So from 2009 to 2015. Yeah. So then in uh, around 2014, 2013, 2014, Demola um, was thinking about um, opportunities with technology and and um, policy, he was working in healthcare IT, and he was, you know, had a need and desire to understand how politics and policy was impacting his career and, and his job um, as an IT consultant. Um, and at the time, I was working at the legislature. Um, I was also um, exploring some of my creative interests. Sure. So um, during that time, I was actually operating a small business of my own um, as a photographer and graphic designer. Was that so. your first business? Yeah, I guess you could say that's my first business. Okay. I mean, outside of like babysitting when I was like 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I started that business as an independent business owner um, as a side hustle. Cool. Um, and so when Demola had the idea around using technology for understanding policy, he reached out to his network, people he knew that worked in politics and who could build technology. Um, he reached out to me as someone who could give him insight into how you know the policy process works, how a bill becomes a law. Um, you know, just how does this process work? How can anyone be more, um, you know, have more access to this information? And so, um, along with you know, his best friend at the time, you know, his best friend um, was our first CTO. Cool. Um, and they played football together in college and he's a great engineer. And so he was our first, you know, he helped us, you know, put the, um, you know, first MVP together of our app. And, you know, and then um, I stumbled into UX design. <laughs> um, we would have these meetings around like what we were building and what the app would look like. And I merged my interest in you know, the creative side of things, photography and design to put together some of our initial mock-ups of the app. And that just, you know, I didn't realize it, but it put me into a whole new, um, it just threw me into a whole new career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I dug deep into teaching myself what uh, UX design was. Mm -hmm. This is back in, again, 2015. So there were a couple of boot camps. There was a couple of things popping up around teaching some of these UX um, and user experience, um, user interface design. Um, you know, it wasn't like a formalized industry, I guess, at the time. Um, and I really relied on free resources like YouTube sure. and, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, blogs to really understand how to design an app, really. Um, this is wild. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a journey. I, you know, really found actually... Um, I really found that it's my call. It was my calling because I found a lot of synergies between um, working in policy and working as someone who analyzes policy and analyzes um, solutions to problems. Mm -hmm. um, it was like a blend of that plus being able to use my creative skills and design and stuff. So 
Um, I totally, you know, kind of dug deep in that and decided to pivot careers after I graduated from my master's program. I love that. And I think one of the things that more people are talking about and thinking about, and I think about this a lot, are what are your transferable skills? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. what are the things that you know and love and are sort of at your core and how can you take those and use them? And it sounds like you did that. I mean, you had obviously the academic background and professional background for the content of the business that you're in with Civic Eagle. And there was an interest, including the side hustle that you monetized, right? Mm -hmm. Around that creative side, but now full-blown chief product officer working at having co-founded a tech company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, th- so I want to zoom back to an earlier part of your story with Civic Eagle, because I think this is a question that comes up a lot, finding your co-founders, building a team. And that's something that you all have done, you know, both the co-founder part and building a team. Can you pull back in your memory some of those initial conversations? Damola was like, I want to do something in tech you know, that's policy related and you obviously have this policy background. How did it go from that conversation to let's form an entity, let's do something and then we'll get to fundraising and all that stuff? Yeah, Um, we were pretty regimented in the beginning, from the beginning. Um, We set up standing meetings. So it was every Monday night because we all had full time jobs Um, We all live in different cities. Um, At the time, I was living in Albany. He was between um, L.A. and Minneapolis. And then we had two team members in Minneapolis, two of our other co-founders. So is that four co-founders total? So four co-founders total. Okay. Yep. Um, And so we... We, you know, we had those kinds of systems in place where we, every Monday, you know, we had a call and talk strategy. Like, what would it take mm-hmm. to build an app? Um, this is, pr- there's no company right now, right? This is just like brainstorming. Right. But structured brainstorming, like we're, like this, like you said, the standing meetings. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, Damola had done a little bit of pre-work where he looked at, you know, what the cost of getting a dev shop an outsourced dev shop to put together Mm -hmm. um, a a little bit of a a prototype. Um, But it was when we were able to bring together, when he was able to bring, you know, four of us together to think about, okay, I guess it's the kind of the beginnings of like what UX, the UX part of it of what else can this app do, right? He he was one mind. And then, you know, together we were four minds working on this, um, on this app and, you know, for me, my role, um, I really started digging into the um, visual components of it. So the UI design and also the branding. Um, we knew we were doing a mobile app that we wanted to put in the hands of, of everyone um, that we knew, friends and family, people that, you know, we thought were like us, millennials who cared about policy and politics and mm-hmm, wanted to be mm-hmm. more engaged. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we... This was around, um, this was before the 2016 election. And so we were, there was a lot of momentum around, um, I guess, executing or, um, um, you know, extending the impact that Barack Obama, President Obama had in the digital space. You know, he had a great and strong digital campaign. Um, We wanted to, you know, there was a couple of different civic civic tech apps that were popping up doing different things. Mm And we wanted a piece of that too. We wanted to um, 
pretty much create a social network for politics. We saw a lot of conversation happening on Facebook, a lot of, you know, kind of infighting and kind of, you know, taking away from the actual fun parts of Facebook. And we wanted to kind of create a space where people could have political discourse um, in an organized way in a mobile app. So this is, this is, we're talking 2015 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is when it was still sort of B2C uh, where you, you would be selling to consumers. Yep. To do exactly what you said, like the social, the social elements. Yeah, yeah. When did this start in 2015? These conversations. Um, the top of it, I was actually rolling from 2014 okay. into 2015. So very yeah. end of 2014. Yeah. So was there already a company? Yeah, I guess you could say then we had. So when, so when did it go from like yeah, the 2014 over drinks or coffee or phone calls or Skype? You're talking about it. 2015, you start your standing meetings, and then who's like when does it become a Okay, we're doing a thing. Let's start it. Mm. Um, we put down July 2015 as our like, you know, start date. Cool. <laughs> but I can't really tell you, I can't remember That's like fine. how, you know, how it kind of rolled in. We were all kind of invested. We were you know, we we're all um contributing in meetings. Yeah, yeah. I was designing, yeah, yeah. um, Ken was developing. Um you know, we were all brainstorming and and we really wanted real outcomes, you know, downloads. And so we did have, you know, the app in the app store. Um, in July. Yes. The app was yes, in the at app least store. By, at least by July. Okay. Yeah. So you all had no, you all had like was work was happening. Yeah, work yeah, work was happening like nights and weekends for sure. Okay, okay, for okay. Sure. okay. Yeah. All right. Um so like six or eight months of preamble slash production and then things kind of went live and you started really put like communicating to the world that you were doing this thing. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, it really came out of, because it was a lot of, it was like about civic engagement and get out the vote. And we were sharing, you know, I was creating social media posts and like, um, graphics to share on our Facebook pages and on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, we were getting a lot of interest from our friends and family, Um, people downloaded the app in support of us and in support of the mission of what we were doing. Um, but we saw some stagnation. We, we weren't getting that viral loop that, you know, required some sort of referral and network effects, right? Friends weren't necessarily, um, entering their friends, uh, users weren't necessarily entering their friends, email addresses addresses or phone numbers to download and share. So we did campaigns like the GoPro thing to try to inspire more activity. Um, and I really can't tell you, I can't remember what my mindset was about, you know, um, this becoming a full-time company because we still, I still personally didn't know what that entailed for in the sure. startup space. I was coming from the public sector, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, working for state government and in nonprofits. And, um, but, you know, Demola had the foresight to realize that we weren't growing and he needed to figure out why. Okay. And so he invested his own personal time and finances to go to San Francisco for about a summer. Okay. Um, I think he was there for about like six Six-ish months or so. So this is still 2015? This is like 2016, 2017. 2016, 2017. So mm-hmm. 2015 when there's an app in the app store, mm-hmm. everyone still has full-time jobs. Oh, yeah, yeah. So everyone has full-time jobs for at least, sounds like, at least a year, minimum. Yeah, uh, we all had full-time. I just went full-time in 2018, so for three years. Wow. Yeah, we were moonlighting and, um, you know, had some buzz in Minneapolis, um, some press. We were able to... 
Um, Damone was able to apply for a fellowship um, with Code 2040, and um, that's a civic tech um, nonprofit, or a civic organization. Um, they were working on an uh, entrepreneurs in residence program in partnership with Google. Mm-hmm. Um, so Damola became an EIR in 2017 um, with Google for Entrepreneurs, um, which is now called Google for Startups. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so through that fellowship, he got a stipend to be able to work in the Minneapolis community and the Twin Cities community um, while also working on Civic Eagle. And we just really, you know, started to rethink some of the business, like the business, you know, yeah. we were learning more about, he was learning more and we, he was sharing that information and we were all just, you know, growing in our, in our industries and space. I think this is like, this is so important in, in my opinion, is this idea that 2014, there's chatter at the end of the year with the co-founders. 2015, the stand-up meeting starts to happen and it's still like heavy ideation. What is this going to be? App goes up summer 2015. Everyone's still working full-time. 2016, 17, people of the co-founder crew, you start to look at putting your full-time efforts to it. And you were already putting full-time efforts to it, I'm sure, just like two full-time jobs, (laughs) but like leaving a full-time job. And then you didn't go all in, no other full-time job until 2018. And we're going to talk a little bit about where the company is today, but I think it's so important to emphasize this because everyone, not everyone, but so many people look at startups or look at their idea and say, if I, don't, if I can't do this full-time, I can't do it. Or if I can't raise money, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that that's such a misnomer. And yeah. I think that this is, this is a great example right, of the effort and energy and time and commitment outside of your full-time jobs that it took. And you recently closed a round of funding, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And not like a couple hundred thousand. (laughs) Yes. Um, a couple, a couple million. (laughs) Um, and you know, I think it's really about, you know, pursuing your idea, pursuing, something novel and new and disruptive as startups, you know, are meant to be. Um, it's, it's, that's risky enough. And it's, it's my personal philosophy and, and I'm just so blessed and fortunate that my business partners also are aligned on this matter, but we're, we still, you know, try to build in safety pads around yeah, yeah, us, yeah. Our, our, our risk. And so what you know, does that look like? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, part of it, I think I'll just say is I think it's where we're used to it. So my business partners, if if folks who are listening don't know, um, are, we're an all black co-founding team mm-hmm. um, and two women and two men are, are uh, comprise the co-founding team. And so we're naturally, I think, prone to, you know, future safing ourselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to, you know, I guess, hedge your bets mm-hmm. in a way. You know, we're definitely innovative and we're risk takers, risk takers. Um, but what that looks like is like, you know, I, I knew I wanted to become a designer. Mm-hmm. I think I knew wanted to become a designer, uh, about 60% of the way through my graduate degree pursuing nonprofit management. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I suffered through that 40% of my degree, just kind of like, Ugh, I don't want to be doing this. Right. So that's just one thing, right. I made sure I finished my degree. I, um, it was also something for me to be able to say that if I become a designer full time or if actually I think at the time I was considering like 
photography full time. At that time, I had, I had been a, a done wedding photography and portraiture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as my side business. It, it grew quite a bit um, in between like 2012 and 2014. So mm-hmm. I actually thought I would do f- like full time photography. Yeah. Um, and just be my own boss. Which you can um, tell by your, your Instagram. I'll go right back to that. <laughs> yes. Photography is still my passion. Um, and so I thought, you know, at least if I got my degree, if if the if photography failed or design failed or my creative interests failed, I could always fall back on that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other things, I knew that I needed, you know, I wanted to learn a lot about UX design and product design. And yep. so um, I was living in Albany, New York, and I did not find the opportunities I wanted there. And yep. so I moved to New York City and I made sure I had a job on the way there. Uh, um, you know, I was fortunate to work at, had the opportunity to work at a small boutique web development shop that I had, you know, built my own portfolio. I didn't have, you know, previous experience mm-hmm, as a UX designer, a junior designer at an agency. Um, so I spent time developing a portfolio and, you know, got the job. They offered me, I think I believe I was getting like $2,000 a month. To live in New York City, to in, in that job. To, That's crazy. Yeah, living in. Um, and we're not talking about like the early '90s here. Like yeah, yeah, this is like a couple years ago. This is 2016. Yeah, yeah. I was living in Washington Heights. I had like very little money coming in from that full time job, so um, I took a bet on myself and started, you know, doing design work as a freelancer. Um, I leveraged that portfolio into working at another startup in New York City. So while I was working on Civic Eagle, so while we were um, trying to figure out what was happening with our app, why it wasn't growing, um, you know, we slowed down a bit. This was also post um, 2016 election. And we had really, I mean, like everyone, we had bet on um, Hillary winning and just like a flood of opportunities for civic technology. Sure. Um, and that actually still happened after um, the outcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we really had this timeline in our head. I can't remember what exactly, but we had this timeline for November 2016, and um, and so we kind of slowed down after after the election just a bit. And at the time, I was working at a different startup as a, my full-time job, right, mm-hmm. to pay the bills as a product designer. And so I was learning the skills that eventually are, you know, are super useful for me now mm-hmm. as a product officer of my own startup. But I, I, that's what I was saying about hedging bets is like, we wanted, I wanted to do this thing, change careers. And I, I was, um, I've been in the right position, taking up the right opportunities that have aligned um, with that goal, right? Going back to that self-awareness, yeah. you know, I, I often, you know, every year, you know, typically it is around the new year. Um, typically it's around, my birthday's in December. So December right. and January, like, are, are my planning months where I yeah, think yeah. about, um, I try to think about and be super mindful all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been part of my practice more recently. Um, I mean, or I, I guess in this transition, yeah. What's coming to my mind is like intense levels of intentionality. Yes. And this this is something that I've heard from other founders, especially founders of color and of a variety of shades, you know, depending on where you're from and how you identify, that there are much less margins for error mm-hmm, or exactly. just like flippant decision making. Exactly. And just listening to you, it's very clear. And not just betting on yourself, but like 
leveling yourself up into new areas for your career. Mm-hmm. And it, this really cuts to the core of something I articulated on the phone yesterday. Um, someone who sources podcast guests and like, what are you looking for? And I said, no hustle porn, just <laughs> hard work. Like that's what I want. Just do the work. I don't want people that are just like talking about working. I want people on the show who are doing the work and sometimes doing the work in three time in three different ways, right? Like teaching yourself new skills, getting a job that pays you those new skills, teaching yourself more new skills to get another job, all while you are building Civic Eagle. It does not stop. It's yeah, not, it doesn't stop. It's kind of like I mean, I guess the. One way I started thinking about it is like if you are a lawyer, um, you matriculate through, you know, the structure of becoming a lawyer, you know, LSAT, law school, all of that. And then there's like continuing education, like yeah. CLEs, um, look at doctors, right? Mm-hmm. And you're expected to check in and level up, Um Hopefully you do. I mean, if you're like a professional that cares about their practice and entrepreneurship is the same way. Um, You have it's not just about having a good idea. It's not just about wanting to be your own boss, but you literally have to learn a bit of everything. Like one of my one of the favorite things I like to do or one of my favorite things about what I get to do is that I'm a huge part of my job description is to always be learning and to try something new and to learn something new because as a company, we're not in a financial position to hire an expert per se. And so in the meantime that we are trying to um, get from that zero to one or to get from, you know, having nothing to something, I have to know, I have to have an awareness of what we need before we go out and look for it. Um, and I take pride in that. Some people like to just outsource things, I guess. But, um, for example, right now we don't have a chief pro- a chief marketing officer, mm-hmm. and I am taking on those responsibilities of learning um, the best way to be marketing our early stage startup B two B SaaS product in the landscape that we're in. Um, to the point where then I can feel comfortable knowing what we need next and who we need to hire next. This is such a good point. I have to jump in because yeah. this is what comes up with coaching clients and in when I'm doing mentoring and advising. Know what you're good at. Lean into it. Know what you're not good at. Ask yourself, do you need to hire someone? Can you learn some of the things? But at the very least, and you just said this and this is what came to my mind, educate yourself enough so that you can have the conversations with the people you want to hire Yes. And know what they're talking about. Yes. No, do they know what they're talking about or are they just saying things? And I, I have to emphasize, can you can you just humor me? What's the total raise so far? Um so we've raised 2.1 million okay. altogether. That's yes. amazing. Huge yeah. like congratulations Thank raising you. millions, <laughs> which is what that is, is not a common feat. Um and then the stats get even more abysmal if you have if you're a founder of color yes. and if you're a woman of color and all sorts of things the stats get real, real bad. (laughs) Yes, Um, unfortunately, yes. It is unfortunate. And you all have done an incredible job. But the um, where I'm going with this is you've raised literal millions of dollars and you're not just randomly hiring people to fill positions. Back to what you've done and what your co-founders have done from day one, you're doing the work. You're saying, let's do the internal due diligence. Let's Mm -hmm. leverage our own skills. We will hire someone. We need to hire someone. But we're not just going to hire someone. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, yes. We have to be super diligent stewards of our 
money yeah. and our opportunities. And because it took us, you know, since 2015, you know, well, we raised, we started, that 2.1 is cumulative. starting, yeah, accumulated from 2018. Yeah. Um, but given the amount of work we put into it, yeah. um, you know, we have to, we have a responsibility to make sure that um, we put it to good use, not only for our investors, but for us as a team, we just, we know that this, uh, it's a long game yeah. and that um, there's no point in having tons of resources and money and not knowing what to do with it, Sure, you know, and not um, using it um, effectively or efficiently. Yeah. Um, so, so we're very, we're very careful about that. Yeah. That's awesome. So existing investors, if you're listening, you must love this. <laughs> Future investors, when they're ready, take note. Yes, know that we're... Really they are super responsible. We are. And productive. <laughs> Let's change subjects real quick because I want to be cognizant of time. You mentioned in the beginning when you founded the company, all four co-founders were in different cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and through conversations that you and I have had, I know that you have a remote team. You don't have just four people now. You have 11 or 12. Yep. What has it been like to hire, manage, keep the culture, create the culture with this with a remote team? Yeah, it, it's been exciting to continue to grow distributedly um, uh, with, with the intention of um, learning from the experience as we go. Yeah. Um, as a, as a leadership team, we are very much aligned with experimenting and trying new things. So let's we can start with our company values. Sure. And one of our our values is that we are audacious thinkers and doers. Okay. Um, I love that value. Yeah, thank you. I love it. It's my favorite. We uh, our other two um, th- our other two values are uh, we put people first mm-hmm. um, and. We believe in transparency. So okay. transparency, people first, and audaciousness, being audacious. Um, and so we we actually implement that in everything that we do. So in, in operations, we um, are open to trying things that we believe are the right thing to do when it comes to managing people, mm-hmm. setting up policies and procedures, Um setting expectations for the team and the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're very, um, yeah, eager and excited to challenge the status quo. Mm-hmm. Like we all have had those, you know, previous job experiences that we dislike. Yeah. And we're very cautious to think about what it felt like to be an employee at that time to someone else. Yeah. And um, we really take a lot of time to think about company culture. So now we're a team of 11. Mm-hmm. Um, our raise that we closed um, at the end of last year helped us bring on uh, five new people around the same time. Wow. And so it was a pretty big j- shift. That's doubling. Yeah, we doubled the team. Um, and so, for example, we do quarterly retreats. We've yeah. been doing them since about 2015. Um, so knowing that we've been a distributed team, we've understood the value of coming together. Okay. Um, every few months. So at the beginning of every quarter, we have a retreat. So yeah. we went from having a treat that had five people in it to a retreat that had 11 people in it. And um, that was definitely challenging, but um, exciting. Um, we're really excited to create a company culture that everyone, at least at, that, at this stage of the company, um, can contribute to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're all about like the open sourcing of ideas That's within awesome. the company. So. Um, Sounds like you're doing a lot of things right. 
in my I hope opinion. so. I hope so. <laughs> you know, and that's, I think that's the best thing we could do, you know, is just like knowing that we're using good intentions. Um, I think that's why um, I, th- I, I believe that comes through and through our leadership yeah. um, and to our new employees that I, I believe fully that they trust us mm-hmm. um, because we are very transparent with them. Um, Value. We're very, um, you know, I'm looking at, at and reading content around empathetic leadership yeah, and, you know, what it means to um, lead, but also under, like let your people know that we're figuring out together. You know, mm-hmm. we're part, we're the, on this journey together, um, that I'm equally as unsure. I may be equally unsure about solving a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you are and just having that space to, to have those conversations, which I think is, well, will eventually, um, set a grander culture for us. And, and then we know that like, as we scale, it's going to be different. And so just being flexible to those opportunities and, and options. That's, that's amazing. And I think that willingness to have the conversation and creating the space for those conversations, because you also don't know what conversations need to be had sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just making that space is that's really incredible. So I'm I'm working with a sponsor this year and talking about remote teams. By the way. Thank you. Super hyped. <laughs> Upside business travel. You'll hear more about them. <laughs> but I got travel on my mind and yeah. those tra- we're talking about travel for other reasons. But what's a what's a and you travel a lot. What's a memorable travel moment for you? Ooh. Wait. Yeah. Ever? Yeah, yeah, just in general, period. Could be about business. Doesn't have to be. Oh man, um, between like missing. I mean, the most memorable ones are actually the ones that are the most like traumatic. Yeah, like, sure. Missing flights. Yeah, yeah. And like, I got some of those. Being stranded. Um. Oh man, I I travel a lot because probably what I like to travel um, is like to like have a diversity of experiences yeah, yeah. and memories. Um. So the things that are popping out tend to be around me, just walking around cities with beautiful architecture. That's cool. Um, and I was recently in Rome, Italy for around the holidays last year, and that's sticking out in my mind. That's awesome. Mostly because it's probably because it's the most recent, one yeah, of the most yeah. recent. But um, also just, it was just a beautiful trip um, around my favorite time of the year. Mm-hmm. And the architecture there is just like mind blowing. So yeah, I had always wanted to be um, in, in that city. So... Um, yeah. And you work when you travel? Yes. So I have a really bad habit of being accessible all the time for work. And it's, I don't know, it's, I love it. It's like a love-hate thing. It's yeah. definitely a love thing because I, um, again, I can't still sit still sometimes. Sure. Like I need to do work or like keep myself thinking about something, I guess. Um, but yeah, I definitely have grown to love the like digital nomad lifestyle of um you know all i really need is my laptop and wi-fi so um and a good meal and a good meal yes for the 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 food shots um so yeah i've i've been um you know in cities where you know i can pop into a we work easily Mm. and um and be connected to my team um but i am trying to take a couple more intentional vacations this year when you say intentional vacations, you mean like not no necessarily laptop. being 100% yeah. accessible. So we actually, as a company, we have a uh, policy, a vacation policy. Um, it's called Your Time Off. So instead of paid time off, PTO, you have your time off. Uh-huh. 
Um, because naturally, as what can happen naturally as a remote team is, you know, you can the flexibility of the hours, you know, allows you to be online when and when yeah, you, sure. when and when you want, essentially. Yeah. Um, and you know, compensate for time, you know, during untraditional hours, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. So your time off on our for our company means you take three consecutive days off where you're not available on Slack or your meetings. That's and it dope. has to be it has to be um three consecutive days. Three consecutive business days. Nice. Your time off. Your time off. Because pay time off is, well, I guess like if you have, for example, like a doctor's appointment or you want to take one day off, you tend to just be available anyway and do work anyway. No, I love this. this Three consecutive days, your time off. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, So I'm trying to take my own. I mean, uh, whether or not... I mean, I will take it. I have, you to, have take to take it. I have to take it. Now you have it. See, now you got eleven. You got eleven people. Maybe, maybe within this year, you'll have more people. You have to start modeling in a way that you didn't have to before. Exactly. Because you know, when you go that co-founder route and maybe one layer below, there's like a friend. There's a level of friendship, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe like I knew this person, I knew this person, so we kind of always knew each other. Mm-hmm. But when you start to grow like you are, you know, people start looking at other people within the company and co-founders. And say this is like an you're an executive. Yeah, it's trippy sometimes. It's you know so <laughs> to be like, honest. <laughs> yeah, so and and they may never be able to bridge that beyond you're an executive, a really approachable an executive. But if I don't see them doing something, I'm not going to do it myself, even if they say I can do something. Yeah, which is something interesting. It's very interesting. Interesting is the right word. Yes, it's definitely the right word. We're learning. Is there's so many things that we do not know um, about what we're like what we're building like what we do know is like why we're building it yeah. and who we're building it for yeah. um and everything else we get that's the fun part we get to figure it out mm-hmm. um we get to figure it out together i think that's what also keeps it fun is that the team really does enjoy one another yeah um and and yeah, and then we just have a really great network of like mentors and people around us that can help point us in the right direction. Cool. So we don't feel like we're just swimming in the dark. So the, the people management, the people ops, the hiring is definitely one of the biggest opportunities for our team mm-hmm. to grow in because none of us are really HR professionals. Actually, one of our co-founders, one of my co-founders, Shantara, is um, our resident, um, our in-house like HR um, resource because um, she has some experience with that, but yeah, overall, um, it's a lot of a lot of new lessons that we're learning, and uh, but it's, it's the exciting part of it. It's like the part we have to like really enjoy is like learning something new. Yeah, and you you said it earlier. Always be learning, and I always kind of have this acronym ABL. Mm, okay. But I think it's such an important part of being a founder, and something we talk about in coaching is allowing yourself to be a beginner. Yes. And coachable. Yeah. Coachable, obviously that's very good. But I think it sounds like you and a lot of your team are living that. Uh, And there are results, right? Like growing your team, shifting from B to C to B to B, raising money, you know, seeing that money, being a steward of that money, not that being the goal, Mm -hmm. you know, but now how do you put it to work and how to use it responsibly? And these are all new things, mm-hmm. right? And I always tell founders, if you achieve what you hope to achieve, you will be challenged with new things all the time, right? And you have to love that. That's like the only constant, what do they say? The only thing that's constant is change. Yeah. Um, and it's not for everybody. So, 
I know there are entrepreneurs out there that really want to be their own boss because they're frustrated with their status quo. Yeah. Or they really want to start a business because they have a specific need or they have an idea that they think they can make money off of. Yeah. But what it really comes down to is you have to have a natural love for like and curiosity to learn mm-hmm. um, because that is the only thing that is constant in this industry is that you're going to have to <laughs> leverage your network, use opportunities effectively, research and read and read and read like you, yeah, at a certain point, and I get into this kind of habit too, where um, um, you get stuck with like what do you call it, analysis paralysis, yeah. um, where I dig deep in learning something and then I don't actually move sometimes. Um, but I also know it's like part of my process where I need to like dig deep in something, like buy the books, read the you know blog posts, and then you experiment. But you have to love that iterative process of trying something new. You know, experimenting, evaluating the the outcomes, and then doing something about that, like taking action and pivoting or iterating on it again or reproducing it, right? Like that's just like the scientific method is super relevant in this journey. I love this. Oh my goodness. It love the change. I think we're gonna leave it <laughs> there. This is so good. Yemi, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having the me. The last thing is where should people look to follow along? What's the best link, social handles to point them to if they want to say what's going on? Yeah. So um, if you work in policy um, and you're interested in new, innovative, easy to use, user-friendly um, software that helps you with tracking legislation, especially at the state level, um, and managing like your public policy uh, efforts with your organization, um, you can visit envue.io. That's E-N-V-I-E-W dot I-O. Um, we're civic at civic underscore eagle on Twitter. Um, Instagram, we have a bit of a presence there, but not much. Um, and then me, myself personally, um, as you mentioned, I'm on Instagram a lot. Um, I prefer Instagram over all the networks. Um, at Yemi, Y-E-M-I dot so that's a period a d e w u n m i um or you can probably just find me off of adam's page yeah boom boom yeah on the founders mind.com yeah. <laughs> and at the founders mind and in the show notes and all that good stuff yemi i have learned a lot and i'm sure others have as well thank you so much for being on the show thanks for having me thank you for listening to this episode of the founders mind this season is sponsored by upside business travel free travel management for companies like yours. Find out more about Upside Business Travel at www.upside.com backslash TFM. To make sure you don't miss any awesome wisdom from guests and stay up to date on the most recent episodes of the show, be sure to visit thefoundersmind.com. You can also follow along on social at The Founders Mind. If you like what you're hearing, we'd love your support. Sign up to be a funder of The Founders Mind. To support the show, you can go to the show notes or head to thefoundersmind.com and click the funder link. And last but not least, a couple of thank yous. Thank you to Roy Matz for the music on this show and his dope editing skills that make The Founders Mind possible. And to Dante32 for all the behind the scenes content and strategy work that enables this show to grow. Until next time, take care. world.
going through all of this insanity and try to bring new ideas, make them a reality. Illuminate in the thoughts, make it a priority to implement what you learn, what you get is what you be. In a world full of noise, hard to find that clarity to try to lead subtly, never full of vanity and try to change something small or try to change humanity. Power forward through the dark, founder's mind is what you see. Founder's mind is what you see. Founder's mind is what you see.